If you want to turn with me, I'll start Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and just, if you're not familiar, that comes right after chapter 11, which is that hall of faith where we see um, enumerated wonderful, miraculous acts. And it's almost as though we're lifting up these men that God has used. But if you look closer, what's actually being lifted up is the power of faith. The power of God that works through marvelous faith. And seeing that, then we come to chapter 12, where we see, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, basically saying, Therefore, since we've heard all of this, since we've seen all of these wonderful examples, this great history, both ancient and contemporary, seeing we are compassed by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I want us to think about that for just a minute. And this idea of running our race with patience. That word patience can also, um, I don't want to say can also be translated such, but we can also look at that as the word perseverance. Or persistence. And with that in mind, I want to set a backdrop for something. How many of you have seen the movie, it's several years old, called Facing the Giants? Anybody? The people I brought with me have seen it. Well, I would recommend that you look into it because it's a good family-friendly movie for one thing, but there is this scene in it. It's pivotal in the movie, but it's also very powerful. And if you'll indulge me, I'll take just a few minutes to set that scene. Uh, The story is about a high school football coach, and he has kind of this spiritual awakening and creates the... Through a series of events, a spiritual awakening happens throughout the school and in the football team. And that manifests itself in kind of a miraculous turnaround in their season. But this particular scene, it's called the death crawl scene. And what happens is this young player, young leader on the team named Brock, they're at practice and and they're kind of discussing what they think about their opponent this coming Friday night. And he expresses doubts about their abilities to be able to even play up to par. And so the coach says, you already written off Friday night as a loss? And he says, come here. And it's not a punishment, it's an exercise that we soon see. But he tells Brock, I, I want to see you do the death crawl again. But this time I want you to give me all you've got. And the death crawl, what that is, is he gets, I'm not going to demonstrate that because then I wouldn't be able to get up. But just on hands and feet. Knees not touching the ground. On hands and feet, he crawls. But he's got another player on his back. Holding onto the shoulder pad. So he's carrying the weight of another person. And so he says, I want you to give me the best you can. And Brock says, what, 30 yards? And the coach says, I think you can go 50. 
And Brock says, I can do 50 if I don't have someone on my back. And he says, I think you can do 50 with someone on your back. But whether or not you can, I want you to promise me that you'll give me your best. Your very best. And they have this back and forth. And finally the player says, I'll give you my best, coach. And he says, good. And one more thing. And he takes out a, a, a handkerchief and he blindfolds it. He says, I want you to do it blindfolded so that you don't get to a certain point and quit when you could have gone further. So he blindfolds him, gets him down, gets the player on his back, and he starts. And, it, and everything's all fine and good at the start. But then he starts to get weary. He stops to rest. And the coach says, don't stop. He said, I'm not done. I'm just resting. Well, you got to keep going. So he keeps going a little bit longer. And finally, the player says, have I made it to the 20? And he says, don't worry about the 20. Just keep going. He starts to get tired. He says, I'm tired. He says, I know you're tired. Keep going. He says, I'm out of strength. He says, well, negotiate with your body to find more strength. But you have to keep going. Don't quit. He says, it hurts. I know it hurts. Keep going. And he keeps pressing him forward. Keeps pressing him forward. And he's, he, he can't even see where he is. He's just listening. Listening and following the voice of his coach who's encouraging him the whole time. And when he finally says three more, he takes three more and he collapses. He's, he's exhausted. And he says, that's got to be the 50. Please tell me I made it to the 50. And the coach says, look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. He'd gone 100 yards with a 160-pound kid on his back. Carried 160 pounds on his arms 100 yards. It's a riveting movie. I recommend it. But where I think that speaks to us today is we have got to learn to be persistent. The Christian life is about perseverance. That's what we see in Hebrews 12. Seeing we're encompassed by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking at the small guideposts that come our way, looking at the small milestones, no, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured even the cross. That's a lofty goal. And we owe it to ourselves, but more than that, we owe it to our Lord to give him our very best and to keep going. And that message of perseverance is found throughout Scripture. And it speaks to us wherever we are. So I want us to think about just a couple of them in uh, Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So how does that apply to us today? How many of the Lord's churches are growing weary? 
They're growing weary of working and not seeing material results for all of their labors. Maybe our numbers are dwindling. Maybe, maybe our resources are down. Or maybe we're, maybe we're not dwindling. We're just not seeing the spiritual success. We're not seeing the spiritual strength that we once did. And it's a tendency we have to wonder, why do we keep going? Or maybe we get discouraged because problems arise within the body. Guess what? There have always been conflicts within the church. You know why? Because it's made up of people. And as long as the church is made up of people who are in a warfare between the new man and the old flesh, that old flesh is sometimes going to rear up and cause conflict. And there will be political struggles. And we have to trust that the Lord eventually, if we bring ourselves into one accord, the Lord will bring peace. And reconciliation. But in the meantime, we cannot grow weary. We find ourselves sometimes in an existential crisis as to whether or not we'll even be here. Two, five, fifteen, fifty years from now. And we can get very discouraged. And I feel like when I see that video, I wonder how much the Holy Spirit is like that coach. That we're trudging along and and we keep clawing after, but we're saying, I'm tired. And the Lord says, I know you're tired, but keep going. Don't quit. It's hard. And He says, I know it's hard. But keep going. You have to keep going. You can't quit. And we have this tendency to look for small milestones. We set small goals. We say, oh, Lord, we'd be so thankful if we could just see one soul saved. Oh, Lord, would that that this one person in our church just finally be saved. Not that that's not a worthy goal. But what happens when we reach it? Do we quit then? I'll come back to that in a minute. Because also as individuals, we have struggles. We we look for direction for how the Lord wants to use us in our daily lives. Maybe maybe we're in jobs that we don't find... um, Conducive to being able to share the gospel. Or maybe we're run down with, with the humdrum and the monotony of, of teaching school. Or, or we just we grow weary of things in our daily lives. And we forget, we forget that, yes, the life we lead to, that is our work of ministry. Because we're the light to the world. But we can get tired. We can get tired, we can get discouraged, and we can want to quit. And maybe again, we're trudging along, trudging along, and we say, I'm running out of strength. And the Lord says, then renegotiate with your body and keep going. Keep going. You can't quit.
we see a story in, in Luke. Luke chapter 18. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Do you hear that? I mean, we hear in Paul's writings, pray without ceasing. And, and, and we're, we're fine with that. But this takes a slightly different tack. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Not give up. Saying, there was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth? We have this story of a, of a widow who day after day after day after day came to the judge saying, remember me, remember me, I'm not going away until you do something about it. You have it in your power until you do something about it. I'm going to keep coming. To the point that the judge was finally so wearied by it, he wasn't even moved by compassion or love. But just so she would leave him alone, he gave what she wanted. And then Jesus says, how much more so shall the father Answer the prayers of his elect, whom he has chosen, whom he has loved. The lesson is for us to not stop praying. And yet how many times do we in our lives, either as churches or as individuals, and, and maybe, and this is where I say there's a message for all of us, because some of us are tired, some of us are weary, just of, of the ministry that we're trying to do. Trying to serve the Lord has worn us down and made us weary. We're running out of strength. But then also, how many of us here have family members? Maybe it's a son or a daughter or a sister or a brother or a father or a mother or a cousin. Who we desperately want to see come to know the Lord. But they're lost. Or maybe, or maybe they're just astray. Maybe they know the Lord, but they've, they've ventured off into some kind of sinful snare and they can't find their way out. Maybe it's some kind of addiction or some other chain. And our heart breaks for them. And we're weary of praying day after day after day after day after day. And nothing seems to change. So do we stop? How many times are we tempted to say that one's a hopeless cause? But the plain teaching we have here is that Jesus says men ought always to pray and not faint. Again, the Holy Spirit is coming alongside as you're praying and saying, Don't quit! Keep going! Don't quit! And you say, But it hurts! And he says, I know it hurts, but keep going. Don't quit. 
And maybe you're here tonight. I don't, I don't know anyone's state here, but maybe you're here tonight and the Lord has shown you at some point that all is not well with your soul. Maybe you know that you're a sinner. Maybe that's a first realization and you don't know what to do about it. Or maybe, maybe you've sought the Lord many times. Maybe for many years you've sought the Lord. Maybe to the point that the severity is gone, but you still don't feel peace. There's still a seed of doubt there that, that all is not well. It's not even a seed of doubt. You know that all is not well. But you know what? It's hard. It's hard to let go of that human pride and that ego and surrender all and lay it all on an altar. It's hard to take, especially in America where we are self-made men and women, right? It's hard to bring it all to an altar and say, Lord, I have nothing. All I have is you. It's hard. And maybe you've tried to pray and you just don't know how to pray anymore. And you get weary and you think, maybe I should just give up. Maybe the Lord just doesn't want to save me. Maybe I'm too far gone. But in Luke 13... I'm sorry, give me just a moment and I'll find it. Luke 13, he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? Kind of sounds like that might have been someone who'd been looking for a way to salvation and just couldn't find it. And he wondered, well, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe it's just for a select few. Lord, are there, are there only few that be saved? And he said unto them, strive. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Now that teaching continues, but the word there is strive. In the Greek, that word is agonizomai. Which if you look at it, it looks a whole lot like the English word agonize. Agonize. Work to the point of exhaustion. Strive to enter in at that straight gate. Jesus never said it would be easy. In fact, he was, he was in flesh. He knows how hard it is to give up all. He knows how hard it is to surrender. And so he said, you've got to strive. So lost soul, if you're seeking and you feel tempted to just give up, can you maybe hear the Holy Spirit in your ear saying, don't quit. 
keep going. And you'll say it's hard. And he'll say it's not that hard. Keep going. And you say, but it hurts. And he says, I know it hurts, but don't quit. Keep going. It's all about the goals that we set for ourselves, how we persevere. So back in Philippians, he says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. Sinner, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Church, it doesn't matter what hurts you've had in the past. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Child of God, it does not matter what discouragements you faced yesterday, what hardships you faced yesterday. It doesn't matter what's in your history as far back as 50 years. Forget it. Forget what lies behind. Reach forth unto those things which are before. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. See, we look for benchmarks. It's 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 part of it's part of what we do. We we don't enjoy the journey. We we fall into this trap of not enjoying the journey. We we Look toward the destination. Any of y'all do that when you're driving? I do. I, I, I can't just look at the scenery. I'm thinking about the next step. The next step on the trip. And sometimes that really frustrates Jessica. And she's like, look at the sunset. And I'm like, it's the sun. How far are we from wherever? <laughs> but we do that in our lives. And the thing is, we set small goals. We set small goals and then we work toward them and, and we have the tunnel vision toward those and we quit when we still had more to give. Right. Amen. Because we reached this small milestone and we quit. We still had plenty more to give, but the Lord deserves our very best. He deserves for us to keep going until we have nothing left. But we quit before we get there because we've reached this little milestone. Or we get discouraged because we reached for that milestone and it's still so far away. Or maybe we can't even see it on the horizon yet. And we think, I'll never get there. I'll never get there. Why do I even try? How many churches have done that? We look at the glory days of years past when every pew was filled and people were standing outside the windows to hear the gospel preached. And now we can hardly fill half of a building. But instead of looking toward what we're to be faithful to, we look back on those glory days and say, well, that's past and gone. We'll never get there again. And when you're discouraged like that, where's the impetus to keep working? Where's the impetus to keep going if you feel like you'll never get there? So for the sake of being able to persevere, 
to not quit, I would encourage us all to put on blindfolds like he put on that blindfold on that boy. Because he knew that if the boy saw the 20-yard line, he'd quit. Or if he saw the 30, he'd quit. Or if he saw the 50, surely he'd quit. He went 100 yards and thought he'd gone 50. Hoped he'd gone 50. How much more for us? How much more effective, how much more persistent would we be if instead of looking at milestones that we can see and setting small temporal goals, if we put our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we aim for that, and we put blinders on to all these things of the world, And just like the boy had the coach in his ear and he was following, just following the voice of his coach, what if we followed the voice of the Lord saying all the while, keep going, keep going, don't quit, don't quit. I know you're tired, but keep going. I know it hurts, but keep going. We say we want to see the power of God. It's when our strength is exhausted that we become the strongest. Paul said that. Had the thorn in the flesh. And he prayed for it to be removed and God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Because in your weakness, I am made strong. So why would we preserve our strength? Why would we shoot for small goals or give up before we're completely exhausted? Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't. I don't know how factually accurate that movie The Passion of the Christ is, but it gives us a a visual of sorts. But what we do know is that this man who was fully human and able to suffer pain was beaten, flogged, starved, denied drink, mocked, ridiculed, scorned, spat upon, drained of every last ounce of strength and dignity. And somehow he still carried a cross. Somehow he still carried a heavy cross up a hill to pay a penalty that wasn't his to pay. Because he didn't set minor milestones. He didn't set temporal goals. He didn't look back on the glory that he once had and think about all that he had lost in eternity past in order to come and bear this. No, Scripture is clear. That for the joy that was set before him, with his eyes on the Father and on the glory that would be his to come, He endured the cross. And he gave his very best. 
And he refused to give up. He refused to quit. So church, I don't know if if you're discouraged by anything right now. I I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're weary of of the battles you're fighting or the work you're trying to do, the the labor of love that, that you earnestly contend to do, and yet it's wearying. Don't grow weary. Don't quit. Keep going. He knows it's hard. He knows it hurts. But keep going. Brother or sister, that family member or that loved one that is astray or lost, they're not a lost cause. No one is beyond the reach of the Almighty God. So like that persistent widow, don't give up on your prayers. We ought always to pray and not faint. And in your spirit, your heart's broken, I know. But He knows. And you say, it hurts, Lord. He says, I know it hurts, but keep going. You say, I'm out of strength. And he says, well, renegotiate and find more strength. But give me your best. Lost soul, strive. Strive to enter in. And again, you say it's hard. And he says, I know it's hard, but keep going. You say it hurts, and he says, I know it hurts, but keep going. Until you give your very best. Until you have nothing left. You keep laying it all down. Because when there's nothing left of you, that's when he is allowed to shine. Don't quit. Whatever you might be facing, whatever dilemmas you may have, whatever weaknesses you have, whatever discouragements you may be facing, put the blinders on. Don't worry about what's behind. Don't worry about what's before on this plane. But look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and put those blinders on so that all you can hear is the voice of the Spirit. The voice of the Lord calling you to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Because eventually we'll make it. That's the good news at the end of the day. When finally there truly is nothing left of us, we're renewed in His presence. At the end of the day, we're with Him. So why do we preserve here? Why do we let discouragements keep us from pressing on and pressing forward? 
Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going. Brothers, that's all I have if you want to find a song. And I, I know that if anyone needs a chance to, to pray, the, this front is open, your pews are open, God listens everywhere. And you know, that idea of making an altar, that's not just for the lost. For the saved too, sometimes we have things we need to give up. And we need to make an altar. And you know what happens on an altar? Things die. The only reason an altar was ever erected was so a sacrifice could be made. So if you need to make an altar and let something in your life that you're holding on to, some discouragement that you're allowing to hold you back from serving God with everything that you have, some fear that somehow you're ineffectual that is paralyzing you, make an altar and let it die. This idea of making an altar, that's not just for the lost. I I want us to all know that. Because we come to a time in in the end of a service like this and we look to see if any lost souls will come forward to be saved. And we don't know what's going on in their hearts or in their pews or in their beds later that night. But if we focus on that, again, we've taken the blinders off and we're not focusing on Jesus. What does He want you to do? If He's spoken to you tonight, if He's calling you forward to do something or to let go of something, then that invitation to make an altar is for you, brother or sister, child of God. And I want us to all feel at liberty to do that tonight. So brother, turn it over to you. Number 392.